Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. What it is you're going to speak to our hearts this morning, Lord God. I want to thank you that your word has a way of touching us and changing us. And I want to pray this morning that as Pastor Andreas speaks, that every one of us will have a new realization in our hearts in the area that we need it today. Thank you that your spirit works and that your word is alive and it is sharp and it is powerful. And we thank you for that power going forth from Pastor Andreas this morning into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Only the bravest of souls have embraced the weather today and have come to church. And I trust the Lord will reward you richly, especially those who come from far. Somerset West, good morning. I, uh, I suppose I'm expected to share a little bit of a, an update or feedback from our uh, ministry outreach to Cyprus. I won't spend a a lot of time on that, but um, just to um, mention that we've been in Cyprus for just under two months. We left on the 24th of April, and we came back on the 20th of June. This was the longest time we have taken to minister on the island of Cyprus, and praise God, it was worth it. Uh, we spent most of our time, we've traveled about four and a half thousand kilometers in just seven and a half weeks, and we spent most of our time being with pastors, walking with them, and encouraging them, also with their congregations. We have discerned this time that there was a cloud of discouragement over the ministry while we were there, and um, the, the, the people that we fellowship or we relate to, the people that we walk with, pastors I mean, are, were experiencing a tremendous amount of pressure. They were not just discouraged, but worn out, tired. And some of them were thinking of just giving up and walking away from the ministry. In fact, after we ministered in one of the congregations the wife of the pastor was so emotional. Both of them just wept. And the wife of the pastor stood up and said, we've been in ministry for 30 years and we've never experienced what we are experiencing during this time. And I said to my husband only last week, maybe it's time that we walk away from our ministry. And these are people that have labored in Cyprus for over 30 years. So we were blessed to be able to bring a timely word to them and to the congregation. And so thank you for your support, for your prayers. And now we are back. Wonderful weather, answer to prayer. And we thank God for what he's doing in our city and beyond. I want to share a word with you this morning that's been on my heart for several weeks. But this is my 
only opportunity that I've had since I left. So I'm going to bring you that word that's been on my heart. I preached this message in Cyprus as well. I believe that it's a timely word for the church. I would say even a prophetic word, a now word. A word that I believe the church needs to hear and act upon in this hour and at this time. And I would like to entitle this message as the believer's glory and greatest privilege. The believer's glory and our greatest privilege. As I sat before the Lord in one of the mornings in Cyprus where we were getting ready to minister and inquired of the Lord of what I should share, he led me to a very well-known verse of Scripture in the book of Jeremiah, which I will share with you. It will be up on the board. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. The book of Jeremiah chapter 9 Verses 23 and 24. It's a scripture that I read many times over the years. But it seemed to me that the Spirit highlighted this verse and brought about a fresh understanding and a new meaning concerning the glory of the believer. Let's read it together. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord which exercise judgment or loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And as I pondered and meditated on these verses of Scripture, it became clear to me, and I think it would become clear to you, that our highest glory on the earth, our greatest privilege, is to know God intimately understand him in all of his ways, and walk in his presence. There is no greater privilege, there is no greater glory than to know God intimately and to love him with all of our hearts. Many years ago, while recovering from an operation in hospital in Harare, in St. Anne's Hospital, I was... I was 24 years of age, 24 and a half, just before my 25th birthday. I read in one of the books I was studying a prayer that made such an impression to my heart that I prayed this prayer many times. I'm going to share it with you this morning. This dear saint longed to know God in such a way that he said, I would rather not have an understanding to know anything. His prayer was, let me have God or nothing. Let me know him and his will and what will please him and how I may come to enjoy him or would I never have an understanding to know anything. What a prayer. 
Very simple prayer. But what a, what a heart seeking after God, longing to know Him, longing to share intimacy with Him, and to walk with Him in the Spirit. Now, if you are a believer, if you've experienced the touch of God in your life, you've experienced the unconditional love of God, you would never be satisfied with anything else than His presence. Now, many take pride in many things in our world, even believers. Some glory in their strength, others glory in their education, many glory in their riches, their status, their position, and some even in the friends they have in high places. But the Lord says, if you want to glory, then glory in this, that you understand and know me, that I am the God who exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. That is why I've entitled this message, The Believer's Glory. And that's the only thing that we can actually boast about. Amen? That we know God. That we have a relationship with Him. That we walk with Him in a, in a close fellowship in the Spirit. Amen? Now, if I can encourage you this morning, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to set your heart on a course, a journey, if you will, of pursuing the Lord and walking with Him in the Spirit, then I can consider myself as one who has accomplished His purpose on the earth. If I can just do that, if I can, by the help of the Spirit, redirect our hearts to the pursuit of the knowledge of God and to walk with Him in the Spirit, then my mission is accomplished. Amen? Would you help me accomplish my mission this morning? And let's redirect our hearts. You know, a number of people that I have disciplined over the years have come back to me with such a wonderful testimony. They said one of the most valuable things I taught them was to teach them to go direct to the Lord, seek His face, inquire of Him, and learn to hear His voice. Now, these type of disciples, they can withstand any amount of pressure, any test, and any trial. They become unshakable in their faith. Do you know why? Because they have established that relationship with the Lord. They have thrown deep roots into the soil of God's grace and God's love. They have experienced His presence because they go direct to the Lord. They're not looking for some man to help them. They're not looking to some other thing besides the Lord. They go to the Lord direct. They have a challenge, they know where to go. They have a trial, they know where to go. And by going to the Lord over and over again, over a period of time, they have managed to cement and establish a very strong relationship with God. He becomes their strength in the hour of weakness. 
He becomes their comfort in the hour of suffering. And he becomes their all because they run to him and they pursue his face. Amen. There is nothing more honorable, no greater pursuit than the pursuit of the knowledge of God. And a lifetime on the earth, folks, is not enough. It's not enough to explore and experience the very one who loved you and me and through his sacrifice has made it possible for us to enter the gates of knowledge and wisdom in discovering this wonderful being that we call our Heavenly Father. Not even eternity will be enough. Have you ever stopped to wonder why these cherubims around the throne they continually cry out to God, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Imagine doing that for eternity. And I I was wondering, don't they ever get bored? I mean, singing the same thing over and over again throughout eternity. Then I realized something. Every time they sing that song, they see a new facet of God's personality that they have not seen before. Have you ever stopped to think about that? That is why I say that all eternity will not be enough to fathom, to understand and experience this wonderful being that we call our Heavenly Father. His love is unfathomable, beyond search, His attributes, beyond comprehension. And that is why I say that through eternity, we will not reach the depths of the attributes, the character, the presence, the glory, and the majesty of this wonderful being who invites us, every one of us, into this glorious fellowship and relationship with him in the Spirit. Wow. Father God, through his Son, the Lord Jesus, is extending that invitation over and over again into this glorious pursuit and adventure, if you will. Because the life of faith is a life of adventure. It's never boring. It's wonderful. Amen. Are you here this morning? Okay. And this invitation is open to all without exception. Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come. And many have heeded the call over the years, over the centuries... But they came out, many came out with unpure motives. They came to the Lord, not because of who he is, but because of what they could get from him. They came seeking gain rather than experiencing and exploring this wonderful being. Their motives were not pure. All they could see was their immediate needs and how they could fill their stomachs with bread. Now Jesus said to these folks, listen to what he said. In John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 26 and 27, Verily, verily, I say unto you, and he's saying that to us today. He's saying that to me and to you. 
You seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you, shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Now these folks that came were not interested in knowing the Lord or getting acquainted with the supernatural. They cared little about spiritual things. <laughs> Why? Because their mind was on earthly things. Now, I know there's no one here like that this morning. But believe me, our churches are full of such people today. They pursued in life is all about earthly things and what they could gain by following the Lord. And when their expectations are not met, they get offended. They get offended with God. They get offended with the pastor. They get offended with people. Why? Because they're looking for some kind of reward from others and from the Lord. And you know, the Lord is an expert in offending us many times. I've been offended by the Lord many times throughout the years, but God was testing my heart. Why are you following me? Are you following me because of what I can do for you, or are you following me because of who I am, and you truly love me, and you want to know who I am? And that's the question every one of us need to ask. Why am I here? Why am I following the Lord? Why am I pursuing Him? Do I pursue Him because of what I can get from Him, or because of who He is? And the desire to know him and experience his presence, his love, his forgiveness, and his tangible presence in my life. Now, Paul talks about these people who are seeking God while their minds are on earthly things. You know what he says about them? It's not pleasant words. Philippians 3, 18, 19 says, For many walk... Or many follow the Lord, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Wow. In other words, they refuse to embrace the cross and let the cross confront them with their selfishness and their sin. Hello. And then he goes on to say, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. We're talking about the believer's glory, who mind earthly things. It's not enough to accept this invitation from the Lord. It must be accepted with pure motives and the desire to walk with the Lord and be willing to change. Hello? Change. Why? In order to be conformed to the one who called us into this glorious fellowship with himself. God is not going to leave you as you are when you come to him. He's going to start working on you. 
Amen. That's what discipleship is all about. We have many believers, but few disciples. Because few are willing to change. Hello. I trust you are one of those few. Amen? Who are willing to be corrected, who are willing to change. The meat which Jesus refers to when he says labor, not for the meat which perisheth, but for that which the Son of Man will give you, which endures unto everlasting life. You know what that meat is? It is the knowledge of God which the Lord gives to all those who believe. He's the only one who knows the Father. The only one, including the Holy Spirit, of course. And if ever we're going to get to know Him, we're going to get that knowledge only from Him. Amen? And in fellowship with Him. And this invitation is still open today. This very hour. Jesus is calling us today saying, come follow me. And then I'm going to make you into the person whom God destined you to be. (laughs) I'm going to work on you. I'm going to fashion you. I'm going to put you through the press. Amen? You're going to pass through many tests, many trials. Paul and Barnabas encouraged the new believers in the book of Acts. And they say to him, through many trials, we must enter the kingdom of God. You're going to be tried. You're going to be tested. Your prayers will not be answered immediately many times. He's not going to come when you cry out to him immediately at times. You know, Jesus was in another, in another town, in another city. He, he gets this urgent message. Come, the friend whom you love is dying. The Bible says he tarried for another four days. <laughs> what, what, what would you do if you were sick in bed, you were seriously sick in hospital, you call the pastor and he says, uh, I will come. I will come when I'm available. Would you get offended? Of course you would. Hello? Some people get offended because they didn't get a nice hug or a nice greet as they walked into the church. Or didn't roll the red carpet and say, Oh, welcome. Why do we get offended so easily? Relationships break. They walk away. I read something, I think it was on Facebook. There was this elderly couple who had been married for over 60 years. And so a younger couple asks them, what's the secret of you staying together, married so many years? Do you know what they said? In our generation, when something was broken, we fixed it. We didn't throw it away. Today we throw away relationships that have been built over years, 20 years, 25 years. We just cut them off because we're not mature enough to deal with our hearts, with our attitude, with our hurts, with our pains, with our unforgiveness. Shame on us. Amen. So Jesus said, come, follow me, and I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you a vessel of honor. So that wherever you go, 
people's lives will be touched and blessed because you are there and because of your faith. So he's going to work on you. He's going to work on me. And he's going to touch those areas in our lives, in our attitudes that are not pleasant. And we need to be open and humble enough to accept the rebuke of the Lord and the correction of the Lord and redirect our hearts and our lives when we need to. Amen? That's why we come to church on Sunday, to worship the Lord and to hear from Him. And sometimes what you hear is not pleasant. You're going to have to go home and reevaluate and think about what you heard. And take stock of your life. Where are you? Where are you going? What's your purpose? One thing I desire, I do not want to die with regrets in my life. That I wished I had done more. That I wished I had prayed more. That I wished I had given more. That I wished I had loved more. That I wished I had been more kind. Because it's too late then. Amen? Jesus said, I'm going to make you into the person God intended for you to be. He will change you. He will correct you. He will discipline you. And as I have said many times, will offend you. But some had come with pure motives. Their hearts were right. And with a strong desire to know this wonderful being and walk intimately with him in the Spirit. They came hungry. They came thirsty. They came laying down their lives to serve him and his kingdom. And you know, they came because they experienced a touch from his presence. And they could not be satisfied with anything else. They experienced his love. They had a taste of what it means to be loved by God. They had a revelation of this great love of God. They had a revelation of what it means to be completely forgiven. And because of that, they were willing to forsake all and follow him on this journey of discovery. You know, when you know God, you don't need anything or anyone else. He becomes your everything. You don't care if people accept you, love you, reject you, or, or praise you, or criticize you. You don't care. Because you know who you are, and you know that God has accepted you, and loved you, and forgiven you, and He has given you a purpose in life. When God sets you somewhere, people cannot upset you. May we come to know him that way, every one of us. And may we learn to walk in the Spirit as he walked, live as he lived. Jesus builds his church and his kingdom with such people who are always in a state of seeking his face and pursuing his presence. They can't get enough of God. 
Is it Tommy Tenney who, who wrote a book about God chases? Wow, what a word. They love to chase God. <laughs> you see, God loves to play games like hide and seek. <laughs> so, so those that find him are only those that really want to find him. Amen. You will find God if you really want to find him, even though he hides himself. The Apostle Paul's life's testimony was summed up in the words he wrote to the church in Philippi. They are recorded in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Listen to what he says. That I may know him, that is Christ, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. And then he goes on to say that for the excellence of knowing him, Paul suffered, he said, the loss of all things he previously considered as valuable and precious. He says, I consider them as rubbish. Now those are the things that he could die for previously. Those are the things that he persecuted the Christians for. Those are the things that motivated him to jail the believers and put them in jail and arrest them. He devoted his life for those things which he now considers as rubbish for the excellence of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. And then he says, the fellowship of his sufferings. Not just the resurrection, but the suffering. Many want the resurrection power, but not the suffering. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to go through the suffering before you come out on the other side. He gave up all that held him back from knowing the Lord and walking with him. And he did it with joy and he did it with gladness. Friends, this journey of intimacy with the Lord that I'm speaking to you about this morning is a lifelong journey. And not only that, it is filled with challenges and many sacrifices many times. It's not all about gain. Yes, God will bless you. God will give you. God will favor you. But there is a cost that must be paid. And sometimes we ministers of the gospel do not emphasize this, but we emphasize the blessing, overemphasize the blessing. You must know me, he says, as the God who exercises loving kindness and what else? Judgment. He is also the God of judgment. And He will judge you if you refuse to judge yourself. There are whole churches under judgment. Nations under judgment. Cities under judgment. We were, and perhaps still are, under judgment here in the city of Cape Town. He's not only the one... You know, we emphor, he's a God of love, and he is, and he's a God of mercy, but he's a God of judgment and a God of righteousness. We must know him in all of the facets, all of his attributes, not just some of them. Amen. This journey is not for the faint-hearted. 
And it's not for the fearful, but for those who truly hunger and thirst for the Lord. It is for those who have tasted and experienced this unfathomable love of God, and they cannot get enough of it. They ruin for life. And Jesus said, many are called into this journey of intimacy, but only few are chosen. Now, the few which are chosen are the ones who carefully counted the cost of following Jesus and very carefully paid the price long before they are called upon to make that sacrifice, right from the beginning. So when the time had come for them to sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom, they didn't have to stop and think about it. I recall when my dad wrote to me from thousands of miles, and he said, unless you forsake your faith, I disown you this day from being my son. I don't want you to call me. I don't want you to write to me. I don't want you to have anything to do with me unless I hear that you have forsaken this newfound faith you found. I didn't have to stop and think about it. Do you know why? Because I already made my choice when I received Christ that I will follow him whatever the cost. Whether my dad likes it or not, whether my wife likes it, whether my in-laws like it, whether my children like it, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Today you have children ruling their parents, dictating to their parents rather than their parents raising up their children and dictating to them what they should do. They're being manipulated by parents, by children. Pastors are being manipulated by the congregations. Hello. This is the world we live in, folks. And you've got to consider carefully your decision. If you're going to follow Christ, it's going to cost you something. In fact, it's going to cost you everything. Amen? Jesus said unto his disciples... Matthew 16, 24, if any man or woman or child will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Denying ourselves and dying to ourselves according to the word of God is part of the price one has to pay in order to follow Jesus and find the richness of his presence. The Lord repeatedly told his followers that unless one is willing to forsake all, he cannot be his disciple. That's Luke's, Luke Gospel 14, verse 20. 33. What does it mean to forsake all? Does it mean that you've got to give everything away? And No, it means that from being owner and lord of your life and your possessions, you change to being a steward. All I have and all I am belongs to the Lord. Amen? I'm not the lord of my life, I'm the steward. Amen? That's what it means. Stewardship. Learning to steward our life, our time, our possessions, our relationships as the Lord would have us to. And when he says give, we don't have to stop and think because we're giving from what is his, not from what is ours. 
Hello. Amen. I thank God he lets me live in a nice house. But when it's time to open my house and offer hospitality, of course I do it in agreement with my wife, because it's hers as well. Hello. It's his house. I don't really understand where we get this idea from that when we come to Jesus is all about gain. The Lord Jesus never taught that. And the apostles never taught that. In fact, they taught the opposite. Before we truly gain anything, we have to lose everything. That's what he said. There's no man who has left houses, children, relationships, lands, who will not gain. But you've got to leave them first. Amen? And before we truly live, we're going to have to die to self and all it stands for. Folks, do you know that our biggest enemy is ourselves? It's not the devil. The devil has got to have a tool to work with. Amen? And many want to bypass this all-important principle, so they come to Jesus seeking to gain, and when they don't, there's trouble. There's complaining. There's murmuring. I think it was Pastor Ken who said, the most fertile ground... For the greatest harvest in life is the burial ground of ourselves. Amen. Fellow believers, let's learn a lesson from nature. Everything we see in nature exists for the benefit of those outside of itself. The sun gives light not for itself, but for all creation, including plants and animals. The sun does not shine for himself, for itself. Amen? The rain that falls to the ground, what does it do? It waters the ground so that it can give again back nutrients to the plants and to feed us. I have two, one, two the beautiful trees, two fig trees in my garden. One is black, one is green. And every year they produce sweet, beautiful figs. Not for themselves. <laughs> but for me and my family and for my friends. And the birds, of course. <laughs> I tried to make an agreement with the birds last year. Do you know what? It happened. I said, look... You eat the top ones out at the top that I cannot reach, and I'll eat the bottom ones that I can collect. You know, believe me, it it happened that way. (laughs) All of creation exists for the benefit of those outside of itself. That's why Jesus said, unless we die to ourselves and we begin to live for others. We are no use to the kingdom of God and we're not worthy to be called his disciples. Do you agree with that? Well, either we live for ourselves at the expense of others 
or either we live for others at the expense of ourselves. We can't have both. It's our choice. Paul said we don't live for ourselves, Romans 14 verse 7, or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord. If we die, it is to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Amen. So for the kingdom of God, we are called upon this hour not only to die to our sin, but also to the things that are considered legitimate and normal in order to find the treasure of his presence. And that's the word of the Lord to us as a church today. We need to consider ourselves, consider our actions. Whom are we living for? Are we living for the Lord and others? Or are we living for ourselves? Are we pursuing the Lord for the gain? Or are we pursuing Him so that we may come to know this wonderful being we call our Heavenly Father? And out of that intimacy will flow works. Works of love. Works of righteousness. And they will multiply. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to know him, and the more you become like him. Amen. Amen. And you know, when we live this way, I believe that many will be drawn to us. Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Amen. It's not going to come. The light of the Lord's glory is here. But we've got to arise and embrace that light and walk in it. And many will be drawn because of who we carry. And many lives will be touched, will be healed and restored. Because it is the Lord's presence who restores lives. It's not our ability. It's not even our gifting. It's the Lord's presence that will minister to other people. Heal them. Restore the relationships. Heal the broken hearts. Comfort them. And bless them. Why? Because we carry him. We're not full of ourselves. We're full of Him. And that's what we desperately need. Amen? Amen. So we are called upon to carefully count the cost and say, Lord, I'm here and I'm here for you. Deal with me, correct me, rebuke me, do whatever you need to do, but please don't leave me the way I am. Because when I die, I want to die without any regrets. That I have done all, that I have prayed more, that I have blessed more, that I have served the people more, that I have given more. And so, when it's time to leave this earth, you leave it with joy and gladness and you leave a legacy behind. Amen? To the glory of God. Let's pray. The disciples said to the Lord, Lord, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, 
but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word this morning. May our hearts be touched and stirred and may we come to a place of decisions. Lord, it is the desire of my heart to know you. And I pray, Father, for our fellowship this morning and for all within the sound of my voice that if our hearts are in a place where they need to be redirected, pray that you would do that by your Spirit this morning. That if we are in a place where we need to be repositioned, I pray that you will guide and lead us by your Spirit to do that. If our hearts have grown cold for one reason or another, and we have grown to be indifferent to the things of the Spirit, we pray that you forgive us and that you help us reprioritize our lives. And if we have allowed the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things to crowd our hearts and our minds to such an extent where we have neglected our intimacy with you, I pray that you forgive us this morning and help us find our way back to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.au. Dot today.